This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're in Philippians chapter 2. We are in the middle. Um, We are in week 6 of our Philippians series that we're calling United. United. Um, and if you've been here for all six of them, uh, you've kind of seen the thread of unity. And it's not highlighted every single week, but it is kind of the overarching thread of the book. Uh, both rejoicing and unity are two important factors uh, that the book of Philippians uh, touches on. Uh, but if you remember from the last couple of weeks... Um, we, we talked through Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, and we're not going to read those uh, this morning, but we, talked, we encouraged you last week to uh, put those in your memory bank and maybe memorize those verses. And it's kind of a theological hymn. Um, it's, it's a, it is a, a passage of Scripture that highlights theological truths about Jesus. And let me say this, if I haven't said it already in the last couple of weeks, it is important that we understand theological views about Jesus. If we don't understand what we believe theologically, then we, we, there, we're in danger of being tossed to and fro whenever any wind of doctrine comes around. There are well-meaning men, there are big churches, there are popular pastors that preach things every now and then that are extremely uh, anti-theologically based. Uh, they are void of good sound doctrine and I want to always encourage you I want to encourage you to do two things if you watch somebody online or you listen to a, a, a pastor that preaches online whatever I want you to make sure that you always compare scripture to what's being said compare scripture to what's being said and here's where I really want to challenge you as you continue to come to Keystone Church and as I preach every Sunday you know what I want you to do I want you to compare scripture with what I'm saying. Because at the end of the day, if I say something and Scripture says something else, I'm wrong and Scripture is always right. I don't believe and we don't believe that God gives uh, me as a pastor any kind of special revelation that would somehow uh, trump what the Bible says. What the Bible says is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. And that's our philosophy here. And I want to encourage you to do that. If I get up here one Sunday and start blabbing off some nonsense that's not biblical and not scriptural, I want you to be theologically sound enough in your mind to know what the Bible says. And it's not what I say, it's what the Bible says. And so that's that's extremely important. And I believe over time, as we stay together and as we study the Bible together, we'll get to that point where we are comparing Scripture with Scripture. And we uh, we are taking what we learn and we're looking at Scripture for ourselves and seeing what God has to say about a matter. If you're a parent here this morning and you don't know how to deal with the situation uh, in parenting, then open up to the book of Ephesians or open up to the book of Proverbs and, and gain wisdom and glean from that. If you're in a relationship and you have, you're having issues with your husband or your wife, hey, open the Bible and let's glean from what the Bible says about that. The Bible is the final authority for all we do and all we are here at Keystone. But as we pick up today in verse 12, just remember the context here that Paul is in prison. And Paul has been in prison several times. And Paul has been traveling and been all over the known world 
at that time. Remember to keep everything that we learn in context. But verse 12 uh, in chapter 2 says this, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How many of you have heard that verse before in your life? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. How many of you, let's be honest, how many of you have heard that verse and you're like, I'm not exactly sure what that means and I really am not really interested in trying to dive into what it really means because it kind of scares me a little bit. I think that was me as a kid, especially as a teenager. But it says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. The first word in the text this morning is the word wherefore, and that is a transitional word. It is connecting the previous thought to what he is about to say. So we have to always remember that. So he says wherefore at the beginning of verse 12, and he is saying because of what we just studied the last two Sundays, because of uh, the mind of Christ, because of the humility uh, that Christ showed, because uh, God exalted him and, and gave Jesus a name, Jesus Christ is Lord, that we talked about last Sunday. Because of those things, wherefore, he says, and he transitions into what he says today, because of Christ. Hey, because of what we learned about Christ, now, let me tell you something. And that's the title of today's message is simply this, because of Christ. Hey, because of Christ, what do we do? Because of Christ. Keep in mind, there are two different mentalities as a Christian. You can either live your life because of Christ, free-flowing about what, because of what Christ has done in your heart and who Christ is to you, or you can live a Christian life trying to attain perfection yourself and trying to be like Christ as much as you possibly can humanly. Now, if you understand, this one right here is a failure waiting to happen every time. Living because of Christ is biblical, number one, but man, it's, it's rest. It's Psalm 23. It, it's, it's relying upon our shepherd, and I won't go back to Psalm 23, but that's the way to live because of Christ. But that statement there that says, work out your own salvation is an interesting statement, and it is a statement of sometimes of confusion, and it doesn't have to be this morning. Notice Paul does not say this, work for your own salvation. He doesn't say that. He says, work out your own salvation. I had a witty title for today, and it was going to be God's workout plan. Wouldn't that be cool? I was going to wear shorts, long socks, and a tank top and a headband. Um, and and we were gonna, it was going to be amazing. And it would, the, the clips that we, we share every week would get tons of uh, views. But I'm not going to do that. However, working out, and there is an element to that, the way that we work out our muscles and the way that we work out ourselves physically uh, it could be tied in with what, he, what Paul is saying here. But he doesn't say work for your own salvation. He says to work out 
your own salvation. Uh, we don't believe in a works salvation. We don't believe that anyone that is a, a Christian has done anything to merit the fact that they are a Christian. We believe 100% that it is Jesus Christ and his atoning death on the cross that is our salvation. However, the book of James is an entire book in the Bible that talks about works. Lest we think that salvation does not uh, lead us to good works, the book of James explains it to us very plainly and clearly that faith without works is dead. It's dead. And so we're going to talk a little bit today about how we should live and how we should work out our own salvation because of Christ. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, illuminate Scripture for us. Open our eyes as we sung this morning. God, I pray that you would be, uh, the Holy Spirit would lead and guide and direct my words today. God, direct the hearers. I pray that we would get from your word today what we stand most in need of. Uh, God, we love you and we do thank you for our church family. God, we pray today for those that are sick and struggling and not able to be here. God, I pray that you would heal their bodies. You would bring them back to us next Sunday. God, we love you today. Uh, we pray that your word be high and lifted up. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Number one this morning, because of Christ, we should live in long-term obedience. Because of Christ, we should live in long-term obedience. Look at verse 12, what he says, uh, work out your own, uh, what he says this, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Eugene Peterson uh, wrote a book entitled A Long Obedience. How many of you have ever heard the name Eugene Peterson? Anybody? Okay, Eugene Peterson actually is the author of the Message Bible. So if any of you read the Message Bible, by the way, Eugene Peterson pastored about 30 minutes from where I served in Baltimore. Uh, way back in the day, he pastored, and he was reaching out to, uh, like, unbelievers big time. And his church was full of agnostics and atheists and people that he was trying to uh, serve. And the way the message Bible uh, began was he was taking Scripture and trying to make break it down into common language that an unsaved atheist or agnostic could understand and comprehend. And he began doing that, and then other people started hearing about it, and naturally, uh, that's the way the Message Bible came into being. He did not go into that saying, I'm going to translate the Bible into an easy-to-know language. He began that to try to connect unsaved and lost people to what Scripture was saying in their own language. So I think that's it's interesting. In fact, Eugene Peterson himself does not even claim the message to be a version of the Bible. He claims the message to be a commentary on the Bible, an easy-to-read commentary on the Bible. I think that's pretty cool. Um, that, that he, but he wrote a book called A Long Obedience. He breaks down the doctrine of progressive sanctification. If, you were in our, if you're in the Connect groups, I think it was two to three weeks ago, uh, Matt Chandler used that statement, progressive sanctification, in our study in Psalm 119. But what does that mean? Progressive sanctification is this. Progressive sanctification is the process by which the redeemed, the saved, live in long-term obedience and through the power of the Holy Spirit conform more and more into the image of their Redeemer. That is the process of progressive sanctification. It is from where we, we start here and we end up here. 
And we start here in our flesh and we're saved by grace uh, through faith, Christ alone, salvation, we're saved. But as we journey on this life progressively, we become more and more like Christ. The more time we spend with Him, the, the, longer, we, the longer we serve Him, the, lo- the, more, the more we spend time in His Word and in prayer, we grow more and more like Him. That is the theological term we use, sanctification. We are sanctified after we're saved, and this is a lifelong process. How many of you understand if you've been saved for a while, you look back, maybe you've been saved for 20 years, and you look back and you say, Man, I really thought the Christian life was going to get a lot easier and I was going to be a lot more like Christ, you know, 20 years later. But you know what? I'm still struggling. You know why? Because sanctification is a lifelong process. And our sanctification will not be complete until we see our Savior face to face one day. Whether by Him returning to to take His own or by us passing away in death. But sanctification is just that process. That process that we're all on. And here's what I love about that process. It's the same road. The road of sanctification is, is one road. We're all on that same road. So it doesn't matter if you're back here in your journey. Hey, man, you're still struggling with sins that, you, that you're embarrassed to struggle with. Or you got problems that you would, you would never tell anybody about. Or whether you've been saved for a long time and you know what? Your walk with God has grown closer and closer. You, you've drawn closer to Him and closer to Him. And, and you're further down that road. Hey, we're all on the same road. We're all on the same road. And what I love about a church family, what I love about a small church family, what I love about a church plant family is that when, when, when so-and-so is back here and they're struggling and someone else is a little further down the road, connect groups, I love to be able to, through a connect group, hey, pull them along. Hey, you got this. Hey, you got this. Don't give up. You got this. I was there. I know what you're going through. It's that process of sanctification And that's what he's calling, Paul is calling them to, to obey and to continue to obey. Paul, in his love for the church at Philippi, admonishes them as he does three things. He commends them, commands them, and then he comforts them. Let's look at what he says as he commends them in verse 12. He tells them, hey, as ye have always obeyed. Paul was encouraging the Philippian church in their consistent obedience that they had shown over the last 10 years. He wanted to make sure that they understood that what he was about to explain to them is nothing new to them. Hey, you guys have been doing well. They had already developed a pattern in their life of long-term obedience, and he commended them. He commended them. But he secondly moves into commanding them, and he says, as you have always obeyed, now to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So you've been obeying, but now I want you to work out your own salvation. After Paul has encouraged the church, he then gives them a command. And by the way, this is uh, removed from the sermon real quick, but by the way, parents, bosses, supervisors, managers, coaches, that's a great way to do things. Paul gives us a good example here. It's always good to commend someone before you command them. Paul encourages the church in their obedience. Hey, you guys have been doing awesome. Now now I want to give you a command. I want to give you something to do. Mom and dad, I'm looking at myself. Hey, before I bark off commands to my children, it's really good if I can begin that conversation with bragging on something that they've done. And let's be honest, sometimes you've got to really look deep to find something to brag on them about. But it's the whole sandwich 
philosophy of leadership. Hey, if you've got something bad to say to somebody, start the conversation with the positive. Bring the reality of the negative and end the conversation with the positive. And Paul models that right here as he commends them before he commands them. And I think that's a very important thing that we can learn as leaders, whether it be leaders in our homes or leaders at our, at our jobs or whatever it may be. Commend before you command. We will get into what Paul tells the church to do specifically, but he wants them to display their salvation through their works. And by the way, let me say this this morning. There is nothing wrong with preaching about works. There's nothing wrong with preaching that the Bible tells you that there are certain things you ought to do as a Christian and there are certain things you should not do as a Christian. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're a child of God, you ought to live like a child of God. You ought to spiritually work out like it. I wish it were easier. I wish there was a, a lose 60 pounds in one week uh, workout pro, uh, system for, uh, for spirituality. There's not. There's not. There's not a get Christ-like quick plan. There isn't. I wish that I could tell you today, and, and all across this country, there'll probably be churches that'll get up and say, hey, if you'll just pray this quick prayer with me right now, God's going to change everything in your life, and whatever you believed yesterday, you're not going to believe tomorrow, and if you struggle with this on Friday, come Monday, you're not going to struggle with it anymore. I can't tell you that. I can't say honestly from Scripture. I can tell you this, that we are commanded, Paul commands here, for us to work out our own salvation. And any time that we work something out, anytime we live something out, it takes time. Remember, progressive sanctification over time. I wish it was a microwave dinner, but it's more like a crock pot. I wish it was a sprint, but it's more like a marathon. I don't, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but between a 30-second microwave dinner and a crock pot meal. The 30 second microwave dinner might be easier, but man, if you've ever had pot roast, man, I'm getting hungry now. If you ever had pot roast that's been sitting in a crock pot, I woke some of you up right then, that's been sitting in a crock pot for four hours, and man, you pick up that, that, that beef and it falls apart, man, you know what, it's worth the wait. And you know, true, Christ-like, real Christianity, authentic Christianity is worth the wait. Hey, growing closer and closer to God, growing more and more Christ-like is a, it's worth the wait. It takes time, it takes patience, it takes consistency. It's what it takes. But here's the way I look at this about working out your own salvation. It's this simple truth. What is on the inside will work itself out. Hey, what is at the root will produce itself in fruit at some point in time. You say, well, so-and-so has been saved for X amount of years. I haven't seen a change yet. That's fine. What is in the root, what is inside, will eventually work itself out. So the Bible tells us to work out our own salvation or to live out our own salvation. Hey, if, if the God-called, Holy Spirit-filled salvation is a part of your life and you're truly a child of God this morning, hey, salvation will work itself out. It will. Yeah, I heard the, an old preacher uh, one time say, he was an old kind of redneck preacher, and he always said, hey, if something as big as God 
comes and lives inside of you, something's going to change. Something's going to change. And it's exactly right. What is inside will work itself out. It's like as you, as you, as you begin maybe to drink more water. And people say, hey, you need to drink X amount of water every day in order to be healthy. You know, you know why they say that? Because as you drink more water, as you work out your system, it's detoxing. And it's getting rid of the things in your system, the toxins in your system that don't need to be there. That's exactly what this is. It's, hey, I want to drink in uh, Christ-likeness. I want to drink in the Holy Spirit. I want to drink in the Word of God. Because I know as I do that, it will work itself out. And getting rid of the toxins in my life. And getting rid of the negativity in my life. It's so important. He commands them to work out their own salvation. I mean, that sounds difficult. So I'm glad verse 13 is there. I'm glad we didn't end at verse 12 because he comforts them in verse 13 because he probably tells them, hey, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And they probably immediately start fearing and trembling. But he comes right back and follows that up with this. For, by the way, that is a connecting word. That is just a continuation word. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God who is working in you to will and to work and to do according to his good pleasure or his good purpose. Good news this morning, you are not commanded to work out your own salvation by yourself. God does not tell you here to do a little better or try a little harder or put in just a few more hours. Jesus accomplished all of that on the cross of Calvary when he died for your sins. It is God who works in you. It is God who wants to live his life through you. And I'm not saying that living like Christ will not require us to do, to do better. I'm not saying that living like Christ will not, uh, will not require us to try harder at some things or maybe to put in a few more hours every now and then. But none of that, none of that, if we want to be long-term obedient Christians, none of that can be done in your own power. But through the power of God and through His Holy Spirit, hey, God will work in you for long-term obedience. I hate the word burnout. I hate that word. It's real, but I hate that word. Because I, when someone says, hey, I'm just burnout, especially spiritually, I'm just burnout. You know what that tells me? That tells me that somewhere along the way, they began doing things in their own strength, in their own might, in their own power, with their own self-confidence. And at some point in time, yeah, they used to play up here because they wanted to serve Jesus. Or they used to serve back in the kids because they loved Jesus. But then you know what? Over time, it got to be, oh, well, I mean, oh, man, I don't really want to. But I guess now I feel obligated to do it. And we lose we lose that sense of God working in us and doing it for Jesus' sake and for Christ's sake. We must do right. We must work harder. We must put in more hours. We must be better. But we must do it through God working in us and through us. It must be because of Him. So because of Christ this morning, we should live in long-term obedience. But secondly, because of Christ, we should shine brightly in a dark world. We should shine brightly 
in the dark world. Look at verse 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Holding forth the word of life. We should shine brightly in a dark world. Before Paul gets to the shine brightly part, however, he wants to make sure the Philippian Christians understand an important truth. In order to shine brightly for Christ, we must be free of grumbling and complaining. Why? Why do we need to be free of grumbling and complaining? So that we can be blameless, pure, and and faultless. There is no shortcut to being blameless and pure and faultless. We must free ourselves from grumbling, arguing, and complaining. James 5, 9 says this, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. In Exodus and Numbers, we see God's chosen people characterized negatively by one thing, the children of Israel. What do we think of when we think of the children of Israel? Grumbling and complaining. Paul told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 10.10 to see the example of those children of Israel and to do the opposite. That entire passage, beginning in chapter verse 1 of the chapter, uh, talks about the children of Israel. And he says this, Let us not test Christ as some of them did, the children of Israel did, and were destroyed by snakes. And don't complain as some of them did and were killed by the destroyer. These things happened to them as examples and they were written for our instruction. Hey, don't be like the children of Israel. Get rid of the grumbling and the arguing and the griping and the, and, and the complaining. You cannot shine for Christ and be a complainer at the same time. You can't do it. Your lost coworker needs you to shine brightly for Christ. Your backslidden son, daughter, or husband, or wife needs you to shine brightly for Christ. Your church-going friends and family need to see you shining brightly for Christ. Those that live around you need to see you shining brightly for Christ. And you cannot shine like God has called you to shine if you harbor grumbling and negative feelings and negativity and argumentative spirit all the time. Negative people will not be lights for Jesus. I'll repeat that. Negative people will not be lights for Jesus. To put it PG in here, we got no, there's no little kids in here. I want to look at some Christians and the way that they act and the way the looks on their faces and the way they interact with people and go, who peed in your Cheerios? Like what happened to you? Negative people cannot be lights for Jesus. It doesn't work. It can't happen. Those two things can't mix. It's like oil and water. You cannot shine brightly for Christ while you're negative. And today I'm not going to sugarcoat it. If your life is characterized by grumbling, complaining, negativity, argumentative, I'm going to call you today to repent of sin. Because negativity and complaining and grumbling is sin. And I'm going to call on you today to repent of your negativity and your sin and your grumbling and your complaining and your sin. We as a church cannot shine brightly as God would have us to shine if we are made up of negative, argumentative, complaining, grumbling church members. And God is a church family. If that is us, then as a church family, we need to repent as a church family. 
God will not use a negative, complaining, grumbling person. Because of Christ, we should shine brightly in this dark world. And this world needs a light. And this world needs you. And the world needs me to shine brightly. Hey, take a look around you this morning. Go to work and really open your ears and open your eyes and listen to the struggles that people are having. Listen to the the hurt that people are going through. This world needs you to be a light. And you can't be a light if you're negative. This world needs positive people with a Christ-like outlook on life. That's what they need. And we need to shine brightly. We need to shine brightly. Right, you say, well, you don't know about my work area. My workspace is horrible. You, you should see this person and this person and this person, what I have to deal with and what I have to put up with. Hey, listen, where it's the darkest, the smallest light shines the brightest. Amen. Hey, if it were completely dark in here, completely dark, and all I did was light a match, that match would light up a lot more than what you think it would. Yeah. I don't know. I don't care how dark the situation you may be in. Shine brightly for Jesus. And that's what he commands them to do here to shine as lights in the world to shine as lights in the world so this morning we we saw that because of christ we should live in long-term obedience we saw that because of christ we should shine brightly in a dark world but lastly this morning we see that because of christ we should rejoice in a life of service we should rejoice in a life of service paul says in verse 17 Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. In these final two verses, Paul switches gears from us working out our own salvation to rejoicing in a life of service. Because of Christ, if we're going to work out our own salvation... It looks like pouring yourself out as an offering. It looks like sacrificial service. It looks like glad, gladly rejoicing. That's what it looks like. Remember the context we said at the beginning. Paul's in prison. Paul's in prison. And he says, hey, I'm going to rejoice because of your service. And I want you to rejoice because of my service. He wants to rejoice. Remember the context. He was glad and rejoicing. But what do these verses practically tell us? How can we work out our own salvation? How does this connect? Simply this, serve. You want to display? You want to live out your own salvation? You do that no better than when you serve. Serve. Others. Others. Not me, not my, not I. Others. You, yours. Others. Serve. Rejoice in your opportunity to serve. Hey, what can I do to help? How can I serve? Where can I serve? Today, there's a uh, brand new person serving in our kids today that came to us a couple weeks ago. Hey, how can I serve? How can I serve? And then, not only how can I serve or where can I serve or what can I do to serve, but then saying, boy, I am so glad that I get to serve. Man, I'm so glad I get to serve. Man, I, I really enjoy helping in fill in the blank. Man, God, thank you so much for allowing me and for using me in this capacity. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be within our local church. This can be in your community. This can be in, in different outreach areas within, our, within our, our culture. But what can I do to help? What can I do to serve? And man, I'm really glad I get to do that. 
I mean, some of our bosses, some of your bosses would probably pass out and have to pick themselves up off the floor if you walked in tomorrow and said, hey, you know, I'm here to work today. And by the way, is there anything I can do to help you today? Is there anything I can do maybe to help? And then, and then if, the, if your boss gives you something like that to do, you get done with it and go, hey, I really appreciate that. I really enjoyed helping today. What? Just showing up and being that person. How can we work out our own salvation? How can we live out what Jesus Christ has done for us? Serve. And then put a smile on your face about it. Remember, negative people can't shine brightly. Oh, yeah, Josh told us we need to serve. So, hey, boss man, what do you want me to do? Okay, I'll add that to my list. No, that's not it. That's not it. Paul, Paul makes a distinction. Rejoicing and serving rejoicing and serving it has got to be from a positive mindset so in conclusion this morning how should we live as a result of those amazing truths we've learned from verses 5 through 11 for the last two weeks we should live out we should work out we should display our salvation the fact that we are truly children of God and we should do that by living in long-term obedience to Jesus progressive sanctification over a lifetime of service. We ought to rid ourselves of complaining and griping and negativity so that we can shine brightly for Jesus. And then we ought to rejoice because we have the opportunity and the privilege of serving, of serving other people. And all of this is not on our good merit. All of this is not because we tried harder and we picked ourselves up and man, we really focused. No, all of this is because of, of Christ. Because of Christ. This morning we talked about several areas. And I don't know which areas maybe you struggle with or what areas spoke to you, but I know where I struggle. And as I was studying for this sermon, I took some time to legitimately bow and repent of some areas in my life. Just to be honest with you, I can be a negative person. If I let my flesh get in the way, I can be a negative person. And I this week had to take some time specifically and say, hey, God, before I'm going to get up and preach this sermon, I want you to change my heart. I repent of the way that I have viewed these situations and this situation with negativity, with, with complaining, with grumbling. And God, give me eyes to see as you see. Give me a heart to feel as you feel. And this morning, I'm going to call us to do this as we, as we close and that is, instead of standing and maybe coming forward like maybe some churches do, maybe, maybe today we just need to make our chair where we're sitting an altar. And some of us probably need to repent of our negative spirit. Some of us probably need to repent of our unwillingness to, to serve. Maybe at, at work we've become very self-centered and we've become very self-serving and Maybe some of us, maybe there was something else that we spoke about. But at the end of the day, I firmly believe that we need to repent of the sin that's in our lives so that we may shine brightly, so that we may work out visibly our own salvation. Hey, how important is it? How important is this? It's important enough for Paul to say, hey, work out your own salvation with fear, and with trembling. It's that important. It's that important this morning. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. 
For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.com. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.